This is President Jason Wright, and you're listening to Ramblin' About Washington. Today, I'd like to welcome to the show ESPN and Fox reporter, Miss Renee Washington. Welcome to Rambling with Rio. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Hey, no problem. You know, I got my all black on because the Washington football team, you know, uh, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm already ready to write the eulogy on the season five weeks in. What did you think about the Washington New Orleans game yesterday? First of all, I am also wearing black. Um, yeah, it's that, it's that kind of Monday uh, early week mood. But uh, I went into that game saying these are two teams that we have been seeing very inconsistent throughout the course of the season, and anything could have happened. I wasn't expecting a Hail Mary to end the half. I wasn't oh expecting a, a big deficit like that to lose from. So uh, when I was saying anything could happen, I didn't mean – I wasn't thinking literally anything, but that was – Pretty surprising. Not a, not a great day for watching the football, unfortunately. Oh, it was definitely not a great day. I don't even know why I let myself get so emotional and worked up over it, because it's really all I know as a fan here. But before we get into the team and more of like a league-wide approach, I'd like to know your fan story, what team you grew up rooting for, and what got you into sports media? Yeah, my journey into sports media actually started as an athlete. So I was a three-time American college soccer player absolutely played mm -hmm. some pro and I come from a sports family my dad played pro ball my all my siblings and aunts uncles parents you know everybody played sports so it was a no-brainer for me to be involved in sports from a young age and when I stopped mm -hmm. playing and I was actually coaching um, I realized that this is this is more along the lines of what I wanted to do you know I, I have a communications background but okay. I wasn't interested in doing any PR work and office work I wanted to be out telling stories at games and as you know, it's the adrenaline rush. Of course, uh, today the adrenaline's low, but you had the roller coaster uh, ride emotionally of being, as a reporter, that same feeling the ups and downs of working with a team, working with games, working with shows. So it was a no brainer for me to get into it. I love talking sports, any and everything sports. So um, made that transition about five years ago, and here I am. Okay. And what what childhood teams did you grow up rooting ah, for? Yes. I, and... I purposely was was ignoring that question because I'm a Jersey <laughs> girl and I okay. um, I'm fortunate. Well, again, growing up in a sports family, I went to games. I was we were season ticket holders. Jets or Giants? Up, Jets or Giants? No, Philly sports fan. Philly oh, sports Philly. Fan. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. So I was a Sixers fan. I was a you know growing up an Eagles fan. We went to Chargers games, kicks games, every sport. Uh, Philadelphia. So working with Washington was definitely different, but at least I was still the NFC East and still mm -hmm. able to cover the division. But I did grow up uh, born and raised back in the AI days and Donovan McNabb mm. days of Philly sports. Hey man, <laughs> so you got you've actually seen a little bit of sports glory in your days. How did it feel to see y'all win a Super Bowl? Oh, let me tell you. Okay, that was one of the most exciting days of my life because I. Obviously, being against the Patriots, being a comeback win, having backup Nick Foles um, and Foles we trust. And honestly, <laughs> just being able to I actually went into the city. I live like right outside of the city. So I went into the city as soon as they won and was just running the streets with all Philly fans. 
as we were all going crazy. So hands down, one of my favorite days um, and honestly just favorite times that whole next few like six months to a year, I would even say <laughs> every anywhere you went, it was like nothing is Madness. wrong because we won a Super Bowl. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I couldn't imagine. Like if I was from Philly. I probably would have put Dreams and Nightmares intro on repeat oh, for like six yeah. months straight. Like, it was just been my theme music everywhere I go. Well, that is the Philly theme song. You rarely go, if you ever go anywhere in Philly, especially like a game, a sport, you know, any bars, any any sort of nightlife, that song plays at least five times. So when they won the Super Bowl, oh yeah, that was blast. Everything Meek Mill was blasting into the streets. Um, it was just a wild, exciting time. And Excited to be a part of that. I got to enjoy it as a fan, too. So that was fun. So was your favorite sport growing up soccer, or that's just the one you were the best at? That's what I was best at. So I actually come from a basketball family, and yeah. my sisters and I were the first in my family to play soccer. My parents let us play every single sport just to see what we enjoyed most. And we all played basketball, soccer, and ran track. I also actually ran track in college. But soccer was hands down my best sport. So it was a no brainer for me as I was going through the recruiting process, although I was getting looks and offers for basketball too, to make the decision to play soccer. So it was always my favorite sport. I always tell people my favorite sport to play has always been soccer, but I growing up in a basketball household and football household, those are the two sports that like, I, we can talk about current past the mm -hmm. legend, hardwood classics, Absolutely. whatever it may be. Um, you know, I just grew up talking and watching those so much more. Okay. And what position did you play in soccer? I was a forward and a midfielder, okay. so scoring okay. goals, getting assists. Okay, I was just about to say, was you a defender? I don't know how the soccer defenders, I don't know how they operate, man. Like, you have to have endless energy. You're just running up and down the field, and you don't get the glory that the attackers get. So you were on the attack when you played soccer. I was, I was. And I actually, as a midfielder, was one that was running all over the field. That was in the attack and then back on defense, too. So, um, you know, I used to be a 90-minute player playing the whole game up Jesus. and down all over the field. And I just loved it. You know, soccer playing as an athlete. That's why I would say, even staying involved as a reporter now, I just love the excitement of, like, preparing for it. Now we go into it. We're at war with the other team, battling, competing. Um, and just, the, you know, all that sports brings. It's, it's great to be on the other side of it now and be able to have that perspective as a former player and coach myself. So definitely was a runner. I was a runner oh, all over. God bless, <laughs> you know? your, God bless your lungs and your stamina, because I definitely couldn't do that shit. That's that's <laughs> way too much running for me. Football was – I like basketball. I could hoop a little bit, but I always had a football build, so that was my sport. My okay. friends played soccer, and I just remembered them, like, when their practices would start – like we'd be like 45 minutes into practice and their warm up jog would still be going on. And I was like, soccer, that's never going to work for me. That's too much running. That's like cross country. But in it's not that bad. I don't put the cross country. Now, you know, for a fact, you always call the cross country team. I don't care what time of day it was. Their little mm -hmm. flock. Running around. Oh, hell yeah. Not that bad. But we did have our fair share beat test, fitness test running miles and miles, but yeah, basketball, I, I love what basketball and football bring because they were just obviously so different with more of like change of direction and more up and down, whereas soccer was, mm -hmm. you know, it's a big field. So Okay, <laughs> and before we get to football, let's, let's talk a little basketball. I think we have a similar, I think we have a similar fanship when it comes to who our goat of the sport is, and I believe we're in accordance when it comes to LeBron, Raymond James as being... <laughs> Our goat. Is, is that how you feel as well? Absolutely. <laughs> I, was, yeah. I was 
I was thinking, which way are you going with this? Because I didn't know if you were clowning me or not. I will nah. proudly always admit LeBron always. is my GOAT. I have gone toe-to-toe with any and everybody. I don't care how old you are. I don't care if you were alive when Jordan played or not. LeBron is still my GOAT. Because yep. if I'm picking a team to, uh, to build a, um, a player to build a team around, excuse me, it's LeBron. The best team first player can play every position. He is one of a kind. Magic is the closest we ever got to LeBron in terms of build and style of play. We all want to say Ben Simmons and um, oh, Zion no. and all these other people <laughs> could have been like LeBron. There is no one like LeBron. Yeah. He's oh, my yeah. girl. I know. Ben. Then to him. Hell yeah. And like, I, like, I love MJ. Cool. Like, MJ was amazing. Same. I respect and MJ. A lot of, like, the fanfare of MJ is like, he was more than the sport when he played. Like, we're in a different climate now. But Michael Jordan at the time, like, I'm sorry, like, LeBron at no point of his career played against plumbers and doctors, and I'm going to hold that against Jordan. <laughs> Thank like, you. In the Thank 80s, you. he didn't win anything in the 80s, and there was no – like, he should have been able to win something in the 80s. And there, there's so many different arguments to be had. My biggest point that I point out is that the year Jordan retired – Pippen took the Bulls 55 and 27, and they were one game from the Eastern Conference Finals. And you cannot show me one LeBron led team uh -huh. that could do the same without him. Because every team after he left, they went straight to the lottery. And that's all that's I need lottery. to I, I don't even need to go any deeper. I don't even need to go any deeper into the conversation because the two greatest players before LeBron were Jordan and Magic. LeBron can score like Jordan and does everything Magic does. So what? how can you find a better basketball player than this guy? He's like a machine exactly. that was built to do everything, and he's the smartest player of all time. I'm going to get a lot of hate from this guy. I know Washington well, fans I'm hate LeBron. Further. I'm going to take it a step mm -hmm. further because everybody okay. always brings up the year that LeBron lost to the Mavs and 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 oh, whatever. It, First it of all, me. the history that and the legacy that LeBron has brought in making it to – 10 NBA finals and Unheard then winning of. teams as you talk about that the very year after he left, look what happened in Cleveland. Look what happened in Miami. Now Miami mm -hmm. obviously has bounced back since then, but overall, the other thing it is took a minute, <laughs> took a minute, but they did bounce yeah. back, but it definitely was not immediate. The other thing is when Michael Jordan played in the NBA, the bulls were the best team when they were winning championships, they were the best team. We, we have debates and this is what always kills me. We have debates about who was the best team ever. The 90s Bulls, the Warriors during their dynasty were the, are in the conversation. And everybody always says it was the 90s Bulls. None of LeBron's teams are in the conversation for being the best team ever. He beat the be one of the best teams ever in the Warriors. Yeah. Yet we always are so quick to give it to Michael because MJ had the stats and this, that. He's got more rings. But it, as, you keep, as you mentioned, and I always say, the game has evolved so much when you look at the players so that much. MJ was playing against. And when I watched the last dance, it solidified my argument. Because I looked at that, I was like, yeah, this is great. It gave me chills. I loved it. I loved the, the storyline, the, the way they went into it. But when I'm watching those those clips again, because I've seen them all. I wasn't alive during that time, but I've watched plenty of Harvard classes. Same, same. Of Jordan during that time. But watching them again with a refreshed perspective. And watching how he's making these moves that you see now, Kyrie does, um, LeBron, Steph, Giannis, KD, yeah. we can a lot of players, yeah. James Harden, that make the same moves. Derrick Rose make the same moves that MJ was making that. But yeah. it's, the game itself has gotten so much better. It's not even close. They want to talk about the physicality. They were dirty back then. 
Yeah. Very dirty. The in the palace. They were dirty. They were. It was. It was a whole different brand of basketball. So yes, LeBron is my goat because this could be a yeah. whole hour in itself. Same. Oh hell yeah! I, I I could talk about this all day. And my favorite barbershop retort when it comes to LeBron is, "Oh, he wouldn't have made it in the '80s." I was like, "Listen, sir." You put Larry Bird in front of LeBron, and LeBron might average yeah. 50, 50, 30, and 10. Like, what was, what was a Larry Bird going to do with LeBron James? Like, Jordan, a lot of his – a lot of his greatness came from the fact that he was the only alien in the league at the time. Mm. I will take a Rudy Gay or an Iguodala and place them in the 80s. They would have been a superstar. That's a controversial take. I, I believe it 100%. Like, what would a point guard in the – what is Isaiah Thomas doing with Russell Westbrook? What would he do with <laughs> Russell Westbrook? What would John Stockton in the little shorts do with Russell Westbrook? I love it. <laughs> like, I, I love it. <laughs> but that's that's and, and here's the other thing we do some like as basketball everyone wants to be an expert we dismiss bill russell will mm -hmm. chamberlain we're quick to say oh they're what they did doesn't matter doesn't mm -hmm. matter that bill's got more championships than mj if we're talking if championships is your argument for why someone is a goat that does not make sense to me because there are a lot of players out here with, with, with rings <laughs> with rings and they're nowhere near the conversation. Facts. So the champ is not just a championship to me. And like you said, looking at the team that MJ had around him compared to the group that LeBron had healthy around him. Mm -hmm. No. So yeah, it's it's just everyone wants to rewrite history. That's my biggest thing. Is we all yeah. want to rewrite history. They are their own. They're a goat in their own mind. First of all, Jordan and LeBron are different types of players. If we were comparing Kobe, may he rest in peace, to Jordan, different conversation. We don't compare Shaq. To Jordan, nope. we don't compare Kareem to Jordan. LeBron nope. and Jordan played so differently, but mm -hmm. he's still my goat. That if I'm building a team, I'm starting with King James, who is still the best player in the league. Another controversial take. Uh, I like it. I like it. Giannis ain't got no bag yet, so we can't give that to I'm him not, yet. He won one championship. <laughs> LeBron won, when he won one, people were still calling him a flop. Yeah, leader, and so we I already know it. both teams in the finals got there because there were. Very serious injuries to the better teams in the conference. But before we leave the topic, I'll just say, like, Jordan, I love the dude. Like, I, I love, like, but we're talking about the guy off the floor. It's not even close, but we're not even going to go there today. LeBron is a 100,000 times better human than Michael Jordan. But, you know, let's go to the NFL. What, it, like, based on these first five weeks of the season, like, Based on what your preseason predictions were, where are they at now? Who are you? Who, who's your Super Bowl picks based on what you've seen through the first five weeks? I think I originally had the Chiefs go back in the Super Bowl, and now and I, you know what? It was Chiefs Packers. Yeah, I had the same too. <laughs> yeah, and now, well, look. Here's what I here's what I will really say. It's a long season. Very long. Once you get to the playoffs, it doesn't matter what your what your standings and record was in the regular season. You make it to the playoffs, you're gonna see a whole different team. So I'm not I'm not counting the Chiefs out because the Chiefs still have a couple losses that they could uh, potentially get in these next couple weeks. But <laughs> they ain't getting one this week. <laughs> yeah, no. They ain't got no L coming in Washington this <laughs> no. week. No, <laughs> I said next couple weeks. Skipping <laughs> hope. No, just. <laughs> If they lose to Washington, if they, if Washington they if we, fans would know what to do. Okay? If, we, if we beat the Chiefs, I'm going to play the damn lottery. You know what <laughs> I'm saying? Like, that would not make any sense. I, I would imagine Mahomes didn't catch the flight if that was the case. 
I'm <laughs> <laughs> just saving it up for this week. Um, we'll I, you know, like the, looking at teams like the Chargers, the Ravens, um, the Cardinals. I actually did have the Cardinals making a deep playoff run. I always counted the Bills into that conversation too. Nobody has fully, fully sold me yet. Um, that like, I think right now we look at five games and it's great what you're doing now. But injuries happen. COVID could happen. There's just so much mm-hmm. that can change that I'm still going to stick with Chiefs Packers, I think. Yeah, I think I think there's a little overreaction happening based Absolutely. on the Chiefs first few games. But it's like when you have a quarterback like Patrick Mahomes, all of this doesn't matter. All you really need is a ticket to the party okay. and he will take you there. He will take you to the promised land. I love what Buffalo is doing. I love what the Chargers are doing. Justin Herbert and Josh Allen are absolute superstars, and I dream of a day where Washington can have a signal caller like that because, look, I'm going to be 30 on Thursday. It's never happened here. I've never seen a quarterback get drafted and then get to his second contract here, and we just churn them out, churn them out. We've started 11 quarterbacks in the last three seasons, and – Currently, the guy, I mean, he's cool. Taylor Heineke, he's a great story, you know, but he might have just ran out of that luster. You know, we played the New Orleans Saints yesterday, a very winnable game versus a very beatable team. What was what went wrong for Washington yesterday? Well, you said a lot of things there that that I want to unpack. And first is I agree with you. I think when you look at a player like Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to put him in the category of some of the greatest athletes that we've seen. I compare it to how a lot of people are quick to count out. Anytime somebody like LeBron, I know we're just talking about him in the NBA, certain players Mm -hmm. get to the playoffs. It doesn't matter if they're the first seed. It doesn't matter if they're the eighth seed. They're going to be a team or a wild card for the NFL. They're going to be a team that you have to watch out for. So this early success from some of these teams, like you talk about Justin Herbert and the Chargers, um, look at how fast the Raiders changed and mm-hmm. up. The Saints, the Panthers. There are a lot of teams that week three we were raving about that by week five we're not really talking Life about. Comes as at much. you fast, so, yep. Yeah. So I mean, it's a long season, and I actually think for the Chiefs losing so much this early on will actually help them because in the past they've had so much success. Look at how much they lost the last two seasons. You need that sometimes. That's that gut check, reality check, so you can go back to the drawing board, work on some things, and now come into the playoffs refreshed without that pressure of we haven't really lost this season. You, you've been in all different types of elements. So I think come playoff time this year actually makes them even more scary to watch mm-hmm. because they'll have had these lumps that they've taken so early on. But to your point about Washington, I actually think of Taylor Heineke, a lot of like Nick Foles and what he brought for the Eagles, where whenever Nick Foles was on the field, everybody's tempo raised. We were, they're playing mm-hmm. for Nick. It was, it was um, St. Nick, St. Nick. And everything that Nick Foles was doing was great. <laughs> but Nick Foles is not a, st- a starting quarterback. Nick Foles is a great backup quarterback. And I think Correct. Taylor Heineke in this offensive line, especially because they don't have the identity of a def- of a, an O-line that he can just sit back and um, have receivers and, and running backs around him to make his job easier. And I hate to say that. That's why he's being exposed. Looking across the league, I think that's what helped, like, the Rams, for example, with Matthew Stafford coming right in and just seamlessly kind of mm-hmm. picking up. The Rams, you look at the way Cooper Cup is playing and the guys around him, he doesn't have to do much. But at for, all. for Washington, Taylor's got to do a lot. So yep. 
I think that what we're seeing is the inexperience of this team play out. Everybody got really high up and put them on this pedestal because of last season. That you know the way their defense played, the way that they played in the in the wild card game against Tampa Bay. No, it's a whole new season, so you can't attribute all they did last year. We got to look at this year, and this group is getting exposed because they still don't have that identity on either side of the ball that they, you know what you're going to get consistently from them. And that's where I think the consistency and the um, struggle to just make the simple plays at times has mm-hmm. kind of been put under a microscope even more in these first five games. Yep. And ultimately when your team has so many holes and you don't have that franchise guy behind the center, because a great quarterback does a great job of masking deficiencies. You know, Mm -hmm. a great quarterback will make your problems look like they don't exist. It's kind of like the LeBron thing in the NBA. And also when you have a great quarterback, sometimes your team has a switch and they don't have to turn it on in week four of the season. The chiefs know that all they have to do is stay afloat and get in. And once they get there, Mahomes can make magic happen. And, I'm looking at the NFC right now. I'm looking at the Rams. I'm looking at the Cardinals. I'm looking at the Buccaneers. The NFC playoffs is going to be lit this year. Brady is 100 years old and still playing like he's in his prime at 28. Kyler Murray, it doesn't even make sense when I see it because he looks like he's the size of my 10-year-old son, but he has (laughs) an arm like Josh Allen. He runs around like 04 Madden Vic. It is so exciting. The NFC, and then Rodgers is Rodgers. How do you see the NFC shaking out? I love it. I love it because you're absolutely right. You know, it's it's not as easy. I think what we're getting is a mix of some of the old, some of the new. A team like the Cardinals is a team that we've been keeping an eye on, um, Mm -hmm. and especially with Kyler Murray, but a team that people were quick to write off. He's too small. He's too this. He's too that. No, it doesn't matter. Kyler Murray plays like he's 6'10 out there. Okay. He looks like the biggest guy on the field because of his Mm -hmm. speed and the way he just brings so much to that offense. You see some of the plays he's making where he's able to just solve problems on the fly. That's what you need from your franchise leading quarterback. So, you know, when I look at the NFC specifically, I mean, because the AFC also honestly has a lot of teams that I could really count in right now that I'm excited about. Mm-hmm. But looking at the a- the NFC, excuse me, I love the fact that we don't know who's going to be in the N- NFC yeah, championship. I like it. You know, I love that because it now gives us every week, like this, looking at games this past week, I'm like, ooh, I was watching Browns, Chargers, even even the Detroit game. I'm, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. I'm a little upset they didn't win that. But even Detroit, their team that's 0-5, <laughs> when you look across the league – there's a lot of teams right now that are bringing an exciting brand of football. So when I look specifically at the NFC and of course, being an Eagles fan growing up, having worked with Washington, I'm at least happy that right now the NFC East doesn't look like it was a dumpster fire. It was last year. <laughs> it's progress. Um, but the Cardinals, the Rams, even the, the NFC West specifically is scary. The Seahawks. Mm-hmm. Well, every team in that division. Yeah. To, to Russell Wilson. He'll be out mm-hmm. for a few weeks. Um, the 49ers, Trey Lance, I know, gets the starting nod, and I kind of like him there. You know, I know he's I like him there, too. too, but I like him there. He brings a lot, a little more than Jim, Jimmy G does. So 
I just love the fact that there's a lot of teams right now that could be sitting in that NFC East championship. When you when you take a young guy that early in the draft, like if he's truly special, he'll be able to get through these rough patches, take his lumps and mm-hmm. shine because the cream always rises to the top. That's why when you see these young quarterbacks, you know almost immediately who's going to pan out. Like you got to give them some time, but you see traits and you see flashes of it. And I just want to know what that feels like to have one of those guys here. I wanted us to go get fields. I would have took Mac Jones because I really like Mac Jones. And I think he's a good quarterback. He doesn't offer as much electricity as some of these other quarterbacks. But what is Washington's plan at quarterback after the season, in your opinion? What would you do if you were running the show in Washington? A lot. <laughs> um, I, I don't even know where to begin. I think the biggest things for Washington is you've, you've got to figure out and solidify your offensive line. You know, when you look at that number of 11 different quarterbacks that have played in that starting role um, over the last couple of seasons, that's not a good, that's not a good stat to have. Hell no. So I think the first thing is if you're, if you are going to stick with Taylor Heineke and we don't know what's going to happen, of course, with, with Ryan Fitzpatrick, we have no idea. But if you're gonna if you're gonna stick with an an average quarterback, you've got to build at least receivers and running back, and and you've got to build the O line in general. Or you need to make the financial move and the risk to go after a big time quarterback. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm talking a top quarterback in the league. As you as we talk about, you look at Buffalo, Josh Allen, Justin Herbert the, with the Chargers, top notch. Um, Yes, even and and the young quarterbacks we're talking about, Justin Fields with the Bears, Trey Lance with 49ers. You have to have a quarterback that at least is either young that you're building up or is established and older. And and now, you know, coming in exactly what he's going to get. But you can't have a tweener. So I think for me, it starts with you got to have somebody that consistently can lead this O-line, make decisions in and out of the pocket under pressure, be able to make the simple plays and even make the exceptional plays. So I think the first thing I'm going for is a quarterback without a doubt. And if you want to build up Taylor Heineke as a strong backup, you can definitely do that too. Oh, absolutely. If you're you're going to try to make him the starting guy, you need to put the work in around him then. It's got to be either or, but you can't have neither. Something's Mm got to change. So I I like the receiving receiving, uh, play that we've been seeing you look at players like Scary Terry and Antonio Gibson's been doing a good job running the ball. J.D. McKissick does a good job. All right, who who are these guys can we keep? And who are these guys we maybe need to use to bring in somebody else and, and start to raise our depth of our receivers and even just the talent level as a whole? So I'm definitely strengthening the offensive line. And even the defense is going to need some work, too, because as we're seeing, they're not as great on as everybody thought they were going to be on paper. And mm-hmm. this is still a young D-line that still is working through a lot. Their, their pass rush hasn't been there. You know, they haven't been making the, the simple stops, not forcing enough turnovers. Third down conversions have been scary. Um, you know, you've got mm-hmm. to solidify some things on both sides of the ball. And I think it starts with figuring out an identity, which means bring in veteran, experienced, talented players that can now lead on the field when you are, you know, need them to step up and make a big play happen. So a lot. <laughs> no, yeah, it's a whole lot. It's a laundry list. It's a laundry list of things. And it's crazy. Like we went from the narrative being right before the season started. These guys are a quarterback away because their defense is great and they have weapons to let's blow this whole shit up after five weeks. And you hate to see it, but sometimes you just got to swallow that pill, accept it. And you got to 
actually accept that we're in year two of a rebuild. So I'll be paying close attention to Malik Willis at Liberty, Matt Corral at Ole Miss, and some of these college guys because we got to find our own guy. We don't have a shot at a Wilson or Rogers or anything like that. And Deshaun Watson, I don't even want to have that conversation because there's way too much going on in there. And okay, so you cover you 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 with Fox and ESPN. Um, are you what are you covering more? Um, professional or college? What are you going to be doing over there? Yeah, so I've actually been working with them for for years now. Uh, with ESPN, I cover college games, so everything from sideline reporting. I actually was in the booth calling a football game for Princeton Columbia Ivy League matchup a couple weeks weekends ago. Um, color commentary, play by play. So I do a little bit of everything with them on the college scene all sports and then with fox sports is uh mystics and wizards so i was fortunate to okay. start off with the mystics back when they won a championship so i've been around a lot of championships um Man. back when they won- <laughs> Sorry. bless your heart <laughs> you know at least uh yes it was it was a great experience i can tell you that so i loved it for for the both of us um but also with the wizards just trying to see what they're going to be able to do this season of course with all as we talk about making changes in the off season. The Wizards mm-hmm. have definitely been doing that the last two seasons. So it'll be interesting to see how they're looking this year. And then um, you know, I have been working with in the MLS with the Philadelphia Union. So I'm in I'm I'm everywhere. All things professional sports. <laughs> okay. And you have your own podcast too, correct? I do, I do. And uh I'm I host that through Fox Sports as well, Beyond the Headlines, where we get into a lot of different topics around Sports, music, entertainment, um, you know, behind the scenes type stories, just getting into some deeper conversation besides just the trending topics, which is where the name actually comes from. So that's live each week across social media. And it's just a different type of of conversation to get into, similar to kind of what we're doing here, but just to be able to have um, different types of guests on, share different stories with with listeners and viewers and bring them a little bit more than just the traditional storylines we always get into. Exactly, because you got to bring your own niche, because if not, it's flooded waters in this content creation game. So you have to bring something that sets you apart. That's why I just like to keep things conversational. We could jump from topic to topic. So you say you talk about music on your show as well, right? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of great artists out there that have really been capitalizing on the pandemic. Music has been booming over this last year. Like when you look at the amount of artists that we know of, Mm -hmm. Drake. Meet uh, Chloe Bailey, different people that mm-hmm. have been coming out with with music, but even some some rising artists. So mm-hmm. um, I've been fortunate to have a good amount of artists on actually that are really just taking off, and that's the that's the fun part of it too is when you have people on your show and you fast forward three months, six months, a year, and you see them blowing up. It's like ah, okay, when they were on my show. <laughs> hey, that's what's up. Hell yeah. So what'd you think of the CLB album? It was nice. It was dope. I mean, I expected nothing, nothing less than greatness. You know, for sure, so. for sure. It's still in my daily rotation. Like it, <laughs> it, it, Drake knows how to make music. He knows how to make albums. He knows how to make hits, and he can open and close an album as good as anyone ever. And like you, you're just literally hating if you don't like Drake's music. I was or you say, say bad music. I don't think I've ever heard Drake put anything out that I did not like. He has a he has music for every vibe, every mood, every day, every if you want to rap, if you want to dance, if you want to be Hell in yeah. your bag, if you want to be out here acting a little ratchet, if Hell you want to yeah. be caught up with your feelings. Like he's got music for it all and he always delivers. He always knows the assignment, that's for sure. Yeah, <laughs> and I appreciate the track Fountains he had because it put me on the Thames and Thames EP is one of 
the best compilations of music I've heard in a long time. It's called If Orange Was a Place. If you haven't heard it, Nigerian singer Thames, she is amazing. There's a song on there with Brent Fires, who's one of my favorite artists. But we could talk about we could we could do this all day. But I'm gonna let you go. Plug anything you you got coming, your social medias, and we can head out for the evening. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. And I uh, appreciate you for having me on. I just realized my green screen's been on this whole time. So sorry for like the glitchy looking screen. Um, but <laughs> but uh, no, I've got some some new things that I'm cooking up too that I'm excited to be launching. So the biggest thing is we're moving forward, always, always bringing out some new content and unique ways. So you can follow me on social media at Renee P. Wash on Twitter, at Renee P. Washington on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere else. Um, and stay tuned as I'm continuing to bring content through my shows and through my work, but also some new projects that I'm excited to launch. So we'll see. All right. So until next time, hail to the nameless football team. Deuces. <laughs> <laughs>